0: Today, our reading is from our Gospel reading. It's from Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read a portion again. It said, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. Later, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you would bow your heads with me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for choosing us, for abiding with us, and changing our hearts so that they might be like your own. Pour out your Spirit upon us, that we might live for you and follow you unconditionally. And as you bless us, giving us all that we need, may we abound in every good work to the praise and glory of your holy name. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Harvest Sunday, and we talk about stewardship, and for most people, I think they get the idea when we talk about stewardship, they think about giving. What should I be giving to the church, to others? But that really isn't what stewardship is all about. It's a part of stewardship, but it's not all of stewardship. Part of stewardship is not only what we give, but also what we manage in the world. God has given us all that we have, and as we manage His gifts, we are being His stewards. As we take care of the gifts that God has given us, as we love the people around us, as we serve the people around us, as we use our time, our talents, as well as our treasures, All of this is a part of stewardship, and this is what God has asked us to manage. When I think of stewardship, I often have the image of a a three-legged stool. Somebody used this illustration, and I appreciate what they said. They talked about this three-legged stool. Each leg needs to be there for the stool to be sturdy and to hold the weight of the person who sits on the stool or stands on the stool. There are three parts that are necessary in stewardship. So we're going to look at it as a three-legged stool. The first part of stewardship is the fact that God owns everything. God owns everything. We hear that throughout Scripture. There are passages such as these that God reminds us, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And from Psalm 50. Every animal in the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. God owns everything. A second leg in this three-legged stool, and if you want to follow along, there is an outline on page 7 of your worship folder, if you want to follow along. The second leg of the stool reminds us that God owns us twice. God owns us twice. He owns us because He created us in His image and after His likeness. And even though we fell away into sin, He redeemed us. He bought us back. He made us His own through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, who shed His blood when He died on the cross. He purchased us so that we would be God's own people. We're reminded of what Paul told Titus in Titus chapter 2, that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. And the third leg of the three-legged stool of stewardship reminds us simply that we are God's managers. We manage His gifts here on earth. How easy it is to think these things are mine, I own them, and the reality is that that God owns them, and He has asked us, He has given His gifts to us in abundance, in abundance, to manage them as we care for them and care for others. That's what God has asked us to do. And so a question for today is, well, where do we get the instructions to do this? And that's the theme of today's message. Where do we get directions for stewarding God's stuff? Where do we get those directions? We're going to talk about that as we go through the message. I want to begin, though, in the Gospel of Luke, because in the Gospel of Luke, those who are rich and prideful don't fare well. And there was a reason. In the Gospel of Luke, the chapter prior to our Gospel reading for today, in Luke chapter 18, there are two examples of the prideful and wealthy that struggled with what they had. The first one was a story of the two men that went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee came in. He said, thank you, God, that I am not like other people. I give a tenth of what I have. I am pretty good. I've got these gifts that you've given me. I know that you're proud of me. And the tax collector came in and beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God said he looked at that man, the humble tax collector, as the one he was pleased with. There's another story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, of the rich young man that came to see Jesus. And when he came to see Jesus, he asked Jesus the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? He was looking to accomplish salvation for himself. And Jesus knew knew that he had such a tight hold on his own wealth or what he thought was his wealth Jesus said, you need to give up everything that you have and then come and follow me. And the scriptures tell us that this man went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, is God saying that it's wrong to have things or to have wealth? The answer is no. No. But he wants us to live for him. He wants us to live for him. That brings us to our gospel reading for today. Luke tells us in his gospel, chapter 19, that Jesus was traveling through the town of Jericho and as he was traveling through, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Most of us know the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man that climbed up in the tree. But as we talk about Zacchaeus, Scripture tells us, first of all, that he was a chief tax collector. This is the only time in Scripture where this term is used, chief tax collector. He was the tax collector of tax collectors. He was at the top of the pyramid. Other people looked to him. And because he was in a large city, the city was, did well, an important commercial city. He would have worked closely with the Roman government. And yes, he was wealthy. But when Jesus came to town, There is some implication that Jesus, he must have heard about Jesus some way. And so it might have been he just heard the things that Jesus had done, the healings, some of the sermons that he had preached. Maybe it was because he knew Matthew, who was a disciple of Jesus, who had formerly been a tax collector. But it appears that Zacchaeus knew Jesus in some way. And when Jesus came to town, he wanted to meet him. And because he was short, he knew the main road that Jesus would travel on. He ran up ahead, climbed into a tree, and waited for Jesus to come along so that he could see him. See this man that everybody was talking about. And that's what he did. And so when Jesus was coming by, when he came to the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He said, I must stay at your house today. It was a divine imperative. I have to do this. I must stay at your house. Jesus wanted to give Zacchaeus God's abiding presence. He wanted to spend some time with Zacchaeus. He wanted to talk about what was going on in his life. And it's interesting, by the time when Jesus was ready to leave, Zacchaeus had a change in heart. He said, Lord, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them four times the amount. I will give half of my wealth to the poor, to those who need it. Jesus recognized the change that had taken place in him and he said, surely this is a son of Abraham. And from that time on, Zacchaeus would live his life for God and follow him unconditionally. That's what God desires from us. That we live our life for him and follow him unconditionally. That's what he asks of us. But I have to point out that as easy it is to say that, it is much more difficult to live it. How, much, how difficult can it be? There are multiple challenges all around us. One of the problems, one of the temptations is that we live in the richest nation of the world. And there is material wealth all around us, some that only few people have enjoyed in the history of the world. Sometimes we don't think about that. We don't realize that. The second problem is that we are spiritually poor. We are spiritually poor. When Jesus spoke the words of the Sermon on the Mount and he said, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God,' That phrase, poor in spirit, is the condition that we have. And the condition that we have is that in reality we have nothing to offer God spiritually. We have nothing to offer God spiritually. And we desperately need His grace and mercy, His forgiveness and love, if we are to live With him. Another problem is the fact that we live in two kingdoms the kingdom of this world and the spiritual kingdom. And that becomes a problem as well, and I'll explain it in a story, okay? One day there were two couples, they thought, well, It's a beautiful day outside, let's go out and ride in a canoe out on the lake. And so they went out in the afternoon, they rode on the lake all afternoon. It was a beautiful day, they enjoyed the sunshine. After a few hours they said, let's go back, let's put some hamburgers on the grill, let's have a picnic and just visit. And that's what they decided to do. And so as they brought their canoes back to shore, there was a a short dock that was just barely the length of one canoe and it paralleled the shoreline. And as the first canoe pulled up, the husband steadied the canoe while his wife got out, crawled out, got onto the deck. She steadied it for her husband as he stood up in the canoe and stepped out of the canoe. But because the dock was short and there was no other space, the second canoe pulled up side by side of theirs. The husband held the canoe as his wife stood up. The other couple held the other canoe as she stepped into that canoe and then onto the deck. But when the husband stood up and stepped into the other canoe, the canoe that was on the outside began to drift away. And he quickly found himself in an awkward position. And soon his arms began to flail and he lost his balance and he fell over backwards into the lake with one foot on one canoe and the other foot on the other canoe. And while it was a little bit funny on that day, or for those who are on the deck, it was a little bit more funny. That really talks about our condition as we try to live in this world with one foot in the material world and one foot in the spiritual world. And what we find is that we find ourselves oftentimes in double trouble. Jesus tells us, No one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. So we come back to the question that I asked at the beginning, where do we get directions for stewarding God's stuff? There's no surprise here, obvious, the first place that we look, the first place that God tells us is his word. God gives us instructions in the Bible about how we should live our life and what we should do with the stuff that he's given us, how we should take care of it and how we should take care of those around us. But again, it's not always that simple. It's not always that simple. The Nelson Company did a report called the, the Three Screen Report. They wanted to look at how people looked at three different screens and how it affected their life. And the screens they looked at were the television screen, the computer screen, and the screen on their cell phone. One of the conclusions that they came to is that the average American person looks at those screens about 35 hours a week. 35 hours a week. On the average, there were some who had a bit more screen time than others. And the question then we ask ourselves as people of God, what influences us, the Word of God or the screens of the world? What influences us? I know it's not completely fair because there are times where we can watch things on the computer screen and look up God's Word. I do that all the time. We can look on our phone. There are apps that take us to read God's Word or to hear God's Word. But I think the application still applies. We probably don't use that most of the time. What are the things that influence us as we live as God's stewards? There's another way in which we get direction for stewarding God's Word and that's through the people around us there again there's an obvious directive to parents with small children you are to teach your children God's Word teach your children how to live we hear it in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as you wake up in the morning as you walk along the road as you lay down at night Take that word of God and talk about it in your daily life. There's also a word from God that's given to children. From Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. But it's not just parents that speak to their children, as adults there are those that speak to us. Sometimes older adults that give us wisdom, sometimes peers that we need to listen to, sometimes even people who are younger than us can share God's word as we listen to them. I think of the story when our daughter Christine was just two years old, I think I've shared this story with you before, she was two years old and my grandmother passed away, Kathy and I were sad because of her passing and we told Christine, we weren't quite sure how to tell her, when to tell her, but we decided to tell her and her eyes got big and she got a big smile on her face and she began to run around in the living room in circles saying grandma is in heaven, grandma's in heaven. How we need to hear those words spoken to us, even from children, even from children. But we also need to listen to our peers. And Scripture tells us in Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people will fall, but with a multitude of counselors, there is safety, there is safety. We need to listen to each other. We need to encourage one another as stewards of God, as stewards of God. Here at King of Kings, we talk about sharing the heart of the king, and God has shared his heart, his all with us. When he created us, when his son redeemed us, when he's poured out his spirit into our lives, when He's given us His Word, when He baptized us and claimed us as His own children. And when He teaches us day in and day out to be His stewards. We are stewards of God. And so this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer. It's taken from our second reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. May God bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And this will result in all praise and thanksgiving given to God. You are stewards of God. Sometimes we're better stewards than other times. (laughs) But we are stewards of God. And He reminds us that He loves us, that He works in and through us, that He helps us to care for those around us, so that we follow Him and are fully devoted to Him throughout our life. And as His stewards, we wait and we long to hear His voice say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come and receive the inheritance that I have set aside for you since the beginning of creation and come and enjoy your happiness. And to that, all God's people can say, Amen. Amen. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen.